Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. The most intriguing talk in talk radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author, the author of the book Ransom Notes and the, uh, the subject of a wonderful documentary, Ransom Notes, uh, and uh, a once-a-month uh, a once a month interesting, always very interesting uh, visual. I'm not interesting, but she's interesting. Right? She always has a lovely background, <laughs> and uh, she just she just looks so great. And the, the one thing I got to say, and the new station coming up, and we'll have a name for you next week. I, I think we're going to have a name for you next week for the new Roku channel, and you'll be able to see it on on Amazon Fire and the Roku channel and and also the uh, we're going to let's make it a little less formal. I've always been formal. I've always said Catherine Ransom. Now spring is here and you know it doesn't always feel like it but how about you know we'll shorten that to Kathy Ransom. Uh, let me introduce Kathy Ransom to everyone and uh, thrilled to have you Kathy. Thank you. Uh, Kathy is certainly one of the many names that people call me. Most of those names are okay to repeat. Occasionally somebody screams at me, but it's probably I deserve it. But my life, uh, I was I was originally born, I mean, the first name that my parents gave me was Catherine with the middle name Catherine Ann, but we never really, I was never really called Catherine Ann. And uh, then my family started calling me Katie, and my friends at work started calling me Kathy, and so I've, I've gone by lots of names. I'm happy with any of them. But uh, uh, thank you for making me less formal because I really am not a very formal person. I uh, enjoy being having casual relationships with people, but I really enjoy also having a wonderful relationship with the Lord. And that's sort of the theme we want to uh, include and continue to include as we expand both Ransom Notes, which is a weekly uh, essay that I write that's available to anyone free of charge if they just send me an email to karansom, R-A-N-S-O-M, at AOL.com. And I even have a book, as you know, by that title. But we're thinking about trying to move forward, and uh, even 86-year-olds can sometimes learn new things, and we're going to try and do that. But I have to admit, did you see the Kentucky Derby yesterday? Yeah, amazing. Just absolutely amazing. An underdog. 80 to 1 underdog at one time, 99 to 1. But yes, I was I was very happy. Well, we were invited to a party. And we've gone to this, this party for a good many years. And uh, there's usually, oh, 15, 20 of us there. And it's we always have a good time. And the hostess cooks up such a lovely lunch for us to have or meal or whatever you want to call it. But we had a unique experience uh, watching the race yesterday. Uh, we're about ready to think about watching, but we have found out as we arrive at the party that the TV service that they have is not working that day. And so we all visit politely and we eat the food and have a great time. And it's now just about time for the race. Fortunately, someone had a cell phone that has the ability to get live TV. We were with six people watching the race on one little cell phone. That's really not your favorite way, but we cheered and we had a good time and, 
and I think we felt sorry for the host and hostess because, you know, it wasn't their fault. Apparently, the service that they had, it either had a problem or had too many customers or who knows, I'm not techie. But uh, I, I felt I felt sorry for our host and hostess, but that's okay. I have some interesting news I found out about a honeybee. Now, I don't know if you have honeybees in New York, but we have some honeybees around Illinois. They like to come out when the flowers are out and all of that. But did you know, (laughs) did you know that scientists now think that honeybees can add and subtract? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, I I didn't think you were going there. Well, Calculators under their wings? Do they have a little? Well, they don't actually work with numbers. They do their calculating with colors. And these scientists trained, uh, you're going to die when you see how many little bees they were working with. They trained 14 honeybees to base this scientific quote information on. They trained these 14, sunny, uh, 14 honeybees to link the color blue and yellow, which makes me think of Ukraine these days, to the blue. When they see blue, they are to think adding. When they see yellow, they're to think subtracting. Now, how did they do this? And you've got to put on, Frank, you've got to put on your imagination today got to get it turned on. In your head, envision a, a, a little, uh, uh, what do they call them? The, the, a, sort of a, a trough that looks like a Y. Okay. And, and you put the honeybee down at the bottom of the Y in this little, this little form. Yeah. And at, if they come, and if they have blue markers, little markers in this apparatus, they are to multiply, I mean to add, and go to the direction where the most little blue uh, colored pieces are. One of the two options, as they get to the top of the Y, one of those two options will have blue little counters, and one there's one extra one. So the B has to decide which of those two at the fork which of those two has the most blue things? And if they take the right way, they are considered that they succeeded, added one piece to the lesser piece and did their addition. And so then they get some kind of a reward. I don't know what you give to bees for a reward. Maybe another. On the queen bee. Oh, oh. Or maybe they get to smell an extra flower. I don't know. <clears throat> If they're in this little form and it has yellow markers, then they have to go the direction where there is one less yellow marker because they subtracted. And again, if they go the right direction. And the interesting thing is that 63 to 72% of the time, these 14 trained honeybees were correct. Which is, which is not perfect, 
but they say it's, and I'm not scientific, but the scientists said that that's better than just random choice, that there was obviously some kind of connection with the fact they got the reward if they added with blue, subtracted with yellow. And then when you stop and think that the brain of the honeybee is 20,000 times smaller than that of a human, and yet the Lord has made them so that they can sense I suppose we wouldn't really say it's major kind of mathematics, but that they can do some, it, 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 it would seem to me as the non-scientist, it demonstrates that that bee has some kind of a brain. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, that's, it's fascinating. I have a guess, by the way, before you get off the subject, but uh, of why this might be, but go ahead. No, share your guess because I'm out of scientific information. Okay. Here's my guess, and maybe I, I'm misunderstanding or missing a part, but in in a honeybee's um, framework, and I don't know how they uh, how they visualize things. I don't know if they're colorblind or whatever, but honey is uh, is is uh, is yellow, right? It's basically yellow, orange, whatever you want to say, right? But it's it's yellowish. So yes, right. They're going to add something to the blue. That they're they're trained to i guess fill up a honeycomb right wherever there's a blank so if they see yellow if they see the color the color yellow they would assume that uh that they they have nothing else to do there right there's already there's already honey there so they oh. they gravitate towards where there's no yellow or no whatever you know that color uh and they would go to the blue uh to uh to fill to add something there now i i mean am I way off or is that they they don't they don't give any kind of explanation at all. I think that's incredible, and I think that you need to uh, Google sometime the article about uh, bees can get addition and subtraction, and maybe even send your observation to them, and then we can talk about it another week after the scientists agree we have just discovered this magnificent Frank the scientist on honeybee knowledge. And that would be so much fun. Well, so much for yeah, so much I, for, I for my honeybees. Let me make one more note. It's the only fact sure. I know about honey that I think is fascinating. They say that honey is one food, if not the only food, that never spoils. In fact, they found an ancient uh, Egyptian tomb. <clears throat> they found honey, and it was uh, it was just as good or just as edible as we would have honey today. But honey is uh, something. It's just a, a random fact that means nothing. But honey is is one of the food, if not the only food, that does not spoil. In sort of a funny, as also in a very serious reaction to that. Yeah. If you knew that your country might be taken over, and or you were going to be down in an area of a hospital or a bank or somewhere, trying to stay safe and keep your family from starving, You, one of the things that maybe one needs to do is quickly go buy out the honey yeah. in the store. And, and I'm being slightly yeah. facetious, but on the other hand, uh, that that is a good piece of knowledge to put in the back of your head because you couldn't live forever only on honey, but there's some liquid in it. 
you obviously really need water because they say you need that even more than that than food but uh that's if you've got some children and you're trying to keep them alive during all of this and i don't know you think we're really going in a different direction here do you think the lord has made it so that if you as a father stuck your little finger in the honey and then held it up to your baby's mouth who would normally be drinking milk could they suck and uh, survive you're the father you've I've, I've never had kids and and <clears throat> perhaps get some nourishment from the honey that you would have on the end of your finger i would think i i don't i don't think there's many mistakes in the lord's uh in the lord's prep work i i think everything's here for a reason even slimy little creatures have their use but i would think yes i would think that uh that's what the lord had uh in in the lord's plan uh is uh you know is is to make uh this one uh this one particular food um you know unperishable if that's uh, the right word but uh, yeah uh, i think it's a great point that you made up but definitely i i thought of that i always think of that you know like nourishment for children nourishment for the elderly or the sick or whatever and and that honey if there was a nuclear war god forbid and there was some kind of crazy thing that we've got ourselves into um and and we uh, we needed to survive uh, you know, at the very uh, lowest form that you know load up on honey well i do though going back to your original <clears throat> comment of perhaps how the bee is able to do that uh that has to be that they didn't just think that idea up on themselves it does mean that the creator was uh created them with the ability to do uh a variety of things to to survive and i think he has given all of his creation uh, a, a variety of ways to survive and we need to remember that and at the same time it's a good time for us to remember the ukrainians in our in our prayers as as they uh try to survive and protect their country and uh, their children and all of that goes with that. Uh, you know, we always have those days, of, every day of the week anymore, or of the year, seems to have that this is the day of. Do you know what today, May 9th, is the today of? Uh, only, and I won't, I'm not going to spoil for anyone else, but only because I read my ransom notes. Oh, oh, okay. Well, did did you? I bet you that some of our audience does not know no. that it is lost, lost sock day. And I don't know about you, but I have in the corner of my sock drawer three lost socks, and I keep thinking that by some magical way, those socks will reappear. Because I just hate to throw them away, you know, and I kept thinking, about the time I throw one of them away, the other one will appear under some piece of my clothing or in the corner of the closet that I didn't clean out. Well, I don't know where they go, but um, it, it's sort of funny. But anyway, I'm going to give you a choice. I'm making up some days. And th these, aren't, these aren't official ones like Lost Sock Day. But I'm going to give you a choice of four days. And you tell me which one of the four you would prefer. Okay. And then you probably, you know, I'll probably ask you, well, why? Why would that? Okay. Number one, read in bath day. In other words, read like in a tub or something. Yeah. Read in bath day. Number two, chocolate day. Number three, 
no pizza day. And number four, free trip into space day. So which of those four, bath day, chocolate day, no pizza, or free trip into space? Now, which one would I, I like to experience? Yes. Which would be? which trip, any, any day of the year, uh, I'll take free trip day uh, into space. Oh, I'll, I'll do that in a, in a second. Or as much as I love chocolate, I could eat chocolate on my own. I could read in the bathtub, which I do. Uh, I love to do it. It's one of my guilty habits. My wife does it too, and she likes it. Uh, no pizza. I love pizza, so, but I, I go without pizza a lot because I'm, uh, you know, I, I worry about the weight that it adds to me. But I don't get to go into space very often. In fact, I never have been. I've spoken to people that have gone into space. I, you know, several people, and uh, and I would like to go into space. So free space day for sure. Do when when you talked to the people that had been in space, did were any of them not uh, astronaut type, but but citizens going on the trip? Have you ever talked to just a you know how today now there are a few people who have paid a you know umpteen dollars to to go, or have you only talked to uh, official uh, official flyers? Well, I spoke to uh, to astronauts for the most part, but I did speak to. William Shatner a couple of times, but before he went to space. So, okay. right. So the thing is that's, that's like cheating. Um, so I could add him to the list of people I've spoken. You know who William Shatner is? He, uh, he was the, the captain on Star Trek. Uh, yes. Yeah, and whatever. But I, I spoke to, he was on the Twilight Zone, some very famous episodes there. So I've interviewed him a couple of times, but prior to him, going into uh into space so uh and when i get them again i usually get them you know once every two years uh they call up a publicist calls and they say would you like to so I'll, I'll get them this time and you know i don't care what he's promoting i'm going to ask him about going into space do you think in your conversations with the astronauts do you think they were ever fearful about anything um or or were they so excited about being a part of the team that they never had any worries? And, and if they did have worries, what do you think it might have been? And then I'll have a follow-up question. Yeah, well, I think that the the gentleman that Mike Massimino is, uh, Massimino was someone I spoke to a couple of times about it. And, and boy, I'm going blank, and they would be very angry if they're listening to the show that I'm forgetting them and I remembered Mike. But uh, I've spoken to, uh, I think, four astronauts that have been in space. Um, and I, not, I've kind of asked that question, but they all, uh, they all were very, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, intrepid uh, in their, uh, in their well, at least they said they were, in, in their uh, motion towards uh, going there. They had tremendous faith. What they all said is they had tremendous faith. Actually, all of them, all of these scientists, you know, which is, you know, which is uh, sometimes rare, but all of them uh, also have strong faith in the, in the Lord that I spoke to anyway. And uh, and they, uh, but they had faith in their the men and women down on the ground, whether it was in Houston or NASA or uh, Cape Kennedy, wherever. Uh, but it was uh, is there a Cape Canaveral still? Wherever they they were were in touch with, they had a tremendous faith from the people that were down there. And yeah. the other thing, from you know a cynical standpoint, from my standpoint, if they were, if they were scared, 
I don't know that they would want to admit that they were they were uh, frightened because they have to train the other astronauts and they want them to be brave. But um, and I, if, yeah, go ahead. And I think that's a good point that they wouldn't want to be. You know, then then my little crazy head goes off into a, the, the right, and I'm thinking. We know that God sees everything that's happened because He's all knowing, and and that. I wonder. I wonder if He's laughing and or applauding or delighted or uh, uncomfortable that uh, mankind is moving out into space. It would seem like perhaps the Lord might say. <laughs> they're finally finding out how big I made this world because they used to think, you know, Columbus coming across to uh, North America and on his little trip was so sort of surprised how big uh, that the world didn't fall off on the edge. And, and then we began to know that the world and the earth was pretty large. And then suddenly we realized the moon was you, you know, we began to expand our knowledge and understanding of God's creation, and it seems to me we've made, made the next incredible step of understanding of God's greatness as we think of how far and how fast uh, mankind can move around in, in, his, in his universe. But it would be fun. It would be just fun occasionally. And maybe that's one of the things when we uh, pass on into uh, – eternity we can say to the lord what did you think when these guys started sending these little missiles and spaceships up into your into your creation uh, did they wake you up at night or whatever i don't know i'm being awfully silly but the lord did create a lots of a room for them to explore okay now we're going to take one thing I, I don't mean to keep interrupting here but i want to no. i want to make an i think an interesting point especially since we're faith-based <laughs> Two of the great scientists of all time, right, Albert Einstein, uh, of course, uh, uh, Einstein is, is synonymous with brilliance. Uh, he often spoke about God and what God's plan was and everything else. He, he wasn't an atheist by any means. And when, uh, when people spoke, uh, you know, speak about science uh, as opposed to religion or faith or whatever, um, you know, think about what Einstein uh, brought to the table and and how often he used the word God in his explanations. Uh, and and the last point, quick point, is Stephen Hawking, who lived most of his life in a uh, in a wheelchair, as we know, and he had ALS and he was speaking with, you know, a machine, wasn't able to speak, and he spoke about the universe ever expanding, that it was constantly expanding, and he mentions God in many of his explanations. And I just figured, let me mention that because there's a lot of people who uh, who want to put science and God against each other. Well, guess who created these scientists and their brains and their remarkable... God did. So let's let's not get too cute uh, with science uh, when people, you know, start doubting uh, that there's some higher power than, than us. But those two great men and those great thinkers... Um, often use the word God, and and they mean it. They're not using it as a euphemism for something else. They're using it as God, God Almighty. Um, I just thought I'd make make mention to that, Catherine. That, that's 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 an incredible extension to the thoughts that we were doing on that topic, and uh, I I admire you for remembering to to share that uh, because uh, uh, the, the world is. The creation of this world really, really 
can't have just happened by accident. Um, there had to be, when you create something, the creator has to be greater than the creation. And I think that's still a, a pretty basic uh, science, it's a pretty basic b belief that one who creates something has to, to be better than that which it, it creates, even though the application may be extensive. Okay, now we talked about read in bath, chocolate, no pizza, and a trip into space. And you'd like, and I suspect I might choose the day into space, even though I would be scared shitless or spitless, either way, whichever way you want to put it. Uh, I, but the, the, there's a piece, and I've done lots of things in my life that I've been scared to death, but I go ahead and do it. And uh, But now I want us to, to stop and think a moment, Frank. What is the best kind of day, since we're talking about days, what's the d best kind of day to celebrate your life of faith. I'm going to give you three scenarios. If you're, as a Christian, as a follower of God, and you wanted to share and celebrate that connection, would it be best for you to do it when you're at a party? When you're recovering in the hospital from major surgery? or when you're wide awake at 2.30 a.m. and have time on your hands. All right. So Where? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So you're wanting to sort of celebrate the Lord, thanking him, uh, acknowledging him. Uh, there's, there's lots of options. But how could you celebrate your life of faith? Would it be would best for you to do it at a party after major surgery or when you're wide awake at 2.30 in the morning? All of them are possible. What's the best, or what would work for you? Me uh, is when wide awake at two thirty in the morning, when I'm in the hospital recovering from major surgery. It's it may seem to the Lord, may seem to you know to onlookers, not that anybody's watching that. I'm I'm uh, I'm an atheist in a in a in a, a foxhole, as they say, which I'm never an atheist, and I never would be an atheist. But they say there's no <laughs> there's no atheist in a foxhole. In other words, if you're getting shot at and there's bullets coming all over the place, then uh, then you are praying regardless of whether you believe or not. So I don't I don't ever want anybody to think that uh, that's that's the best time to pray. Although. I think when I'm recovering from major surgery, I'm going to say thank you, Lord. Uh, without question, I'm going to say thank you, Lord. But that's, to me, not the best. At a party, there might be people of different faiths, and, and maybe you would bring on an argument. You know, if it was a if it was a Christian party, you know you're going to be talking about uh, you're going to be talking about faith all throughout. If it was if everybody there specifically was from the same belief background, then there's no problem there. But I think two thirty in the morning, it's uh, it's quiet time. It's it's me. I could be watching anything that I want. I could be doing. I could be getting a snack. I could be doing this, but to share some quiet time and appreciation. There, when I when there doesn't seem to be any need or urgency to do so, to me, in my mind, two thirty in the morning at night, when uh, when it's my time, uh, and I want to uh, I want to thank the Lord for uh, for non urgent um, situations and all that He's given me and all that He's blessed me and my family and uh, my loved ones and my friends with. Um, to me, that's the best time, but I, I certainly wouldn't disagree. I'm sure people can make um, cases 
for for both. Uh, but major surgery, I'm doing it automatically. Uh, thank you for helping me get through that, Lord. I did. And when I got my five cents, I, I prayed before, during, after, <laughs> everything that I could. No question about it. But uh, at that point, it almost was like, uh, I, you know, like a necessity to do so. Uh, the party, you know, again, I, I don't want people fighting. At a, at a party, and I don't want think, uh, thinking that they're on. I've been on my pulpit, which I've sometimes been accused, of, uh, and sometimes I got to watch myself giving my beliefs on faith. But um, uh, but at night, two thirty in the morning is my long answer. And and I think what uh, we're suggesting, and I just pulled these three scenarios out of the top of my head, and as as I as as we're reflecting here today, we re- I really put up three entirely different scenarios. The focus in the middle of the night is a wonderful time, absolutely wonderful time for us to uh, extend thanks to the Lord for what he's done for us. For me to share my faith with the Lord and my thanksgiving to it, uh, to, to have a chat with him. And I think we have said occasionally on this, that sometimes I literally almost talk out loud. I did the same thing when I had major surgery. There were a couple of nights when I was so depressed, I actually had an out loud, quiet, albeit quiet, uh, conversation. But the the 2.30 in the morning, I'm witnessing and having a conversation only with the Lord. In the hospital, if I have a chance and an opportunity, and when I was having major heart surgery, I made it an opportunity to share words of thanks to um, uh, out loud about how the Lord was taking care of me to the caregivers that were giving me. So I was in a sense celebrating my faithfulness and my faith in the Lord and appreciation, but I was extending it a bit in, in a way that I was also saying and acknowledging to the staff that they had been helping me, but that I was also thankful that the Lord had been here watching over. So it was a sort of a second level of reaching out and acknowledging my faith, perhaps in the process, encouraging someone that their own faith maybe was a little weak. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why things are going well with Kathy. Maybe that it is the Lord is there. I had sort subconsciously, you know, they're not going to say it out loud. The third level, when you're at a party, no, that's not the time to start and have a 30-minute sermon. But it's amazing how often sometimes you can talk a little bit about something, what you've been doing if you're talking with friends. They don't have to be all female or male, depending on who they are. I mean, who who you are. You know, oh, the other day I was over helping... Uh, and you take sort of semi-generic topic. The other day I was over helping pack up food, the, the packets that they are sending off to Ukraine. And inevitably, someone will say, oh, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Southside Christian over on MacArthur. I, I extended to perhaps someone who didn't know I even went to church or where. You, you have a sense in encouraging letting them know that you're a believer and you sort of, again, have this ability, this opportunity, I guess would be a better word, to share the Lord in a very, very informal way, but you just make a presence known. It may also be that you 
celebrate your life of faith by occasionally things can happen at a party where you may be reluctant. You, you, you suggest that you don't not take part of that part of the party, you know, because occasionally. And I think that probably happens more often to young people than people 86. Uh, parties are pretty calm at 86. <laughs> but uh, parties for teens that last till 2 o'clock, uh, sometimes it, it, it can, they can be perfectly fine. I'm not suggesting that you can't have a party till two o'clock, but there are ways that I think we can witness. Well, that's enough. That we had enough about days, but I want to read a quote that just it, it, it's from the author of the the mystery book we're reading for our book club this week, this month. It's called the Tuesday Murder Club, and one of his quotes deals with a day, with a day in life. You have to learn to count the good days. You have to tuck them in your pocket, carry them around with you. So I'm putting today in my pocket, and I'm off to bed. Isn't that a great that we need to remember? We need to remember a good day. So, I love that. Well, he's a good writer too. I'm enjoying the book, uh, the Thursday Murder Club, but. Uh, and then we will have a discussion on it here in a couple of days. Well, it's been fun chatting with you today. I uh, want to close with one, just real briefly with, um, oh, no, we don't have time. We'll just say that uh, I'll share, I'm going to share this, and we'll save my other topic for another another day. This will get the people to come back and want to know about um, uh, the Red Sea place. We're going to talk about the Red Sea, and you've probably heard of it. But I have to share what a fireman who had been a fire with the fire department for 40 years, he did something in April that he had never had to do before. And this is not going to be serious, I'll tell you. He, he rest, had to rescue a woman <laughs> who had fallen into the hole of a public outhouse oh, while, no. try, oh, while, while trying to retrieve her cell phone oh my gosh oh my god can you imagine can you imagine oh my glory i can't even imagine that's my serious closing for today (laughs) oh my god hopefully he never has to do that again i I would agree i hope i never do it it could happen (laughs) i think i'll just i'll I'll just uh put in for the insurance if it's uh, (laughs) If it's in the public toilet, I think I'm going to let it stay, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll chance my backup and everything else. But oh boy, Kathy, thank you very much. It's wonderful, and hopefully next week we'll we'll be telling people where to tune in and or at least the name, the name selected for the uh, the the uh, Kathy Ransom uh, uh, channel on Roku and uh, Amazon Fire and some other places. So I promise you that we will have a name and uh, then uh, you'll have to help us figure out how to tune in. Yep. That's for sure. We'll, we'll get that to you for sure. Kathy, thank you very much. Take care. And to all of you, thank you very much for tuning in each and every week. Uh, There's 124 different outlets that you could choose from and whatever one you decide and whichever one you're listening to is fine with us. Uh, Thank you very much. We'll see you all next time on Ransom Notes. You've been listening to Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. 
the most intriguing talk in talk radio. Talk radio.